Hello everyone, welcome to a new experiment called the Sola Gratia Podcast. I'm David Prairie, and we're here in my office at Grace Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and I'm here with one of my very good friends, Aaron Arnold. Aaron, how are you doing today? I am doing great. So this is a podcast where uh, Aaron and I are going to attempt to discuss a variety of topics that relate mainly to youth ministry. We'll probably talk about church life in general. I'm sure we'll talk about missions. Uh, We'll probably talk theology. We'll talk culture. Uh, We don't want to be too widespread in all this, uh, but we're going to attempt to be uh, to kind of show how some of those things relate and be thorough in that way. So uh, we're calling this the Sola Gratia podcast. That's a Latin phrase that uh, was somewhat popularized, I guess, maybe not during the Reformation, but at least came out of the the Reformation, those five solas as we know them. And it means basically means by grace alone. Uh, so Aaron and I are, are members here at Grace Baptist Church, and probably most of the conversations we have are going to be related to some of the work that we do here at Grace. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, the, I'm the youth pastor here at Grace Baptist Church. Aaron, explain a little bit about what you do here at Grace. I, well, first of all, I guess I work maintenance here. That'd be my first job. That's your job. That's my job. What I do related to youth ministry is I am a youth leader. So I lead a small group with Grant Dix. We just started. I guess this is my third or fourth year. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, so I lead a small group. Help David out. During the small group uh, or the Wednesday night hangouts before kind of crowd control before the uh, service and when opportunity affords itself, go on missions trips and keep the kids in line. Yep. Or try to. Yep. (laughs) And you do a fair amount of teaching around here with our students, Mm -hmm. um, either in Sunday school or occasionally Wednesday nights or like you said. Small groups, and you're actually a certified teacher now. I am a certified K through fifth grade teacher, but I work maintenance. Amen. Praise <laughs> the Lord. We're glad you do. Uh, so that's kind of the 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 origin of all this. Uh, I'm excited about this. Me too. Uh, and based on based on my Twitter response last night, there are at least five or six other people who are excited about this. That's good, and that's a good start. At least we're not talking to nobody. We think. We are right now. We're kind of talking to each other. There's nobody else in the room here with us. But if you ever want to sit in on a live recording of the Sola Gratia podcast, there's a few extra chairs in my office. We'll make room for you. Uh, Our topic for today, we're going to talk about youth ministry and the purpose of the church. And uh, we've got uh, a little bit of an itinerary here we want to follow. And we'll just kind of start with this. Um, it would be helpful probably just to define our terms right from the beginning. So uh, what would you say is is the purpose of the church? And you could talk universally as far as what mm-hmm. are all churches called to do, but and maybe even specifically what, what we would say our purpose is here at here at Grace. Well, Grace's mission is to grow, go, and uh oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Pastor Ben would be so disappointed. He would be. 
<laughs> to uh, gather, grow, and go. There we go. Gather doesn't rhyme with the other two. That's why it was uh, not sticking That's there. True. That's why you got to get it in first so that, yeah. so that the other two kind of flow off the tongue. It's a G, but it, it the uh, ending doesn't match. So, yeah. yeah. We gather, grow, and go. Yeah. That's a very concise way of saying what the church is supposed to do. Yeah. I like it. So gathering would indicate that we come together as a body on a regular basis, mm-hmm. at least once weekly. Yeah. Probably really only once weekly where we have what we would say our whole church together. Yeah. Uh, but then, of course, a variety of things we do throughout the week. And then we grow. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably out of those gatherings, there's going to be some growth. Right. Uh, spiritual growth being the being the aim there. And then, and then going, meaning that we're on mission uh, when we disperse. Yeah. We're taking what uh, what we have learned and what we've what we've done in our gatherings, and hopefully we're living it out and showing it and telling it. Right. Yeah. So would you say that lines up pretty well with what the church as a whole exists to do? So when when Jesus established the church, uh, would you say that gathering, growing, and going is a good summary of what he would what Jesus would say we exist to do? I think so. Um. I I think it I think it summarizes it nicely. Yeah. Uh and I mean Jesus didn't use those words exactly, but yeah, I think it I think it summarizes it and um yeah. Now one of the things uh you actually taught a, a few weeks ago on and I don't know if you used the title The Mission of the Church. Yeah. Um, or at least something really close to that, where you kind of talked about how Christianity is 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 a religion or is a is a belief system where we put a lot of emphasis on evangelism, mm-hmm. but more than just being a, a an organization where we tell others what we believe and we try to convert them to those beliefs, mm-hmm. we need to show a lot of what we do by our actions as well. Right. Uh, do you want to elaborate a little bit on that and maybe explain why? Both sides of that are pretty important for our purpose, for our mission. Yeah, definitely. Because, you know, Jesus, that was what he did. And so he went out and he met the people's needs, both physically and spiritually. And so one of the things that I guess got that sermon going, that lesson going, was just seeing the, I guess, the divide in Christianity today between the the more evangelical who focus on evangelism, you know, confronting sin, telling people to repent. Jesus did that. You know, he he would meet with people. He would say, all right, go and sin no more. So he was addressing their spiritual needs there. But if they had a sickness, he would heal them. And so it's easy for um, people on the other side of Christianity to focus on just meeting needs and saying that that's the whole gospel. Meeting physical needs. Physical needs, yeah. right. And that's the, the whole gospel, and it's not. It's a both and, not an either or. Yeah. And so it's very important that we don't let um, politics come into this to where it, if someone's doing something that's not quite lined up with our political beliefs, but it is lined up with our with what Christ taught. You know, I think there's a danger today to kind of look at those things and say, well, that's that's not who I am politically. I'm not going to do that. I hope that's not too vague. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
So we're not, so the church isn't a humanitarian organization where we're just going out and trying to uh, feed the feed the homeless and right. and uh, and help the poor. But we're certainly not going to neglect those people. Right. Uh, as we're as we're living out the gospel and even speaking the gospel to to folks. Right. Leaning too far on either one of those issues means you're denying some part of the gospel. Yeah. You know, it doesn't mean that every time you feed a homeless person, you got to, you know, pull out the, you know, the four spiritual laws or the wordless book or whatever. Um, but, you know, we we need to be aware yeah. and not neglect either one of those things. Yeah. Yeah, it's important to have a balance of word and action. Right. Uh, and with but without the words, the action sometimes can be just taken as, well, this guy's a nice guy. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Which is probably why, and I'm going to quote from a, a book here that I have leaned on a good bit before, Kevin DeYoung and Greg Gilbert, they call it, What is the Mission of the Church? And here's their definition. The mission of the church is to go into the world and make disciples by declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ in the power of the Spirit and gathering these disciples into churches that they might worship the Lord and obey His commands now and in eternity to the glory of God the Father. So they're very heavily focused on the what we would think of as the evangelism and discipleship route. Mm-hmm. And, and if you go through their whole book, they're not discrediting any of, of the, so, of the um, accompanying good works, but their, their line of thinking is more like uh, sort of what I just referenced. There are a whole lot of non-Christian organizations that are also very interested in feeding the poor, helping the homeless, right? Um, making sure kids get a good education. Yeah. Um, the one thing that sets Christians and churches apart is their mission to, uh, to make disciples of those people. Right. And, and so that's kind of how we would define, I guess, the purpose of the church. Yeah. Now, uh, so then what is, what is the, how would, how would you define youth ministry then? Youth ministry, I think, helps youth and equips youth to do what the church is supposed to do. And so, you know, it shouldn't, it should look different only, maybe not only, but mainly in the, uh, in like different differentiating the teaching. In other words, sometimes you got to bring things down to a student's level to help them understand it. And so youth ministry would help equip youth and, you know, different youth groups or different ages, but in a, in a way that's best understood by that age group. Yeah. So, so when we talk about youth, we're mainly referring to what ages? What age, what is the youth age for anybody who might not be familiar? Here at Grace is 6th grade to 12th grade. Yeah. So middle school, high school, yeah. junior high, high school, junior high, senior high. Yeah. Depending on your terminology. Yeah. Um, so, and, go ahead. Well, I, was, I was just going to say, it's an important age group because uh-huh. that's when they're really starting to think for themselves they're being exposed to so many outside ideas. And so it's a very, very, very formative time in an individual's life, Yeah, I think. 
And so in youth ministry, we are trying to introduce people in that age group Mm -hmm. to what the mission and purpose of the church is right? so that they can uh, follow Christ and can can be involved in their churches to do the the evangelism and the discipling and the ministering that that a church that a church is expected to do or right. purpose to do I guess right yeah yeah is is youth ministry a biblical concept <clears throat> so so do we do we have does the bible define youth ministry for us or do we see youth ministry happening in the bible i th- i think we see it Okay, hold on. Anytime you see a worship service or a public service or anything, whether it's in the Old or the New Testament, it's always all generations together. So I don't recall from the Bible ever seeing youth as separate from the main assembly. So that would be whether it's Old Testament Israel and they're going to the temple Mm -hmm. or or New Testament as they're gathering churches in homes or other buildings. Yeah, or that, you know, that uh, Bible read-aloud marathon that Ezra performs. Yeah, Nehemiah 8. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, the, the youth and the kids are always with the adults, which is a lot different than how we do it today. But I think, I think the precedence is there for youth to be taught, of course, because you see that in the Bible. You, you see, you know, Joshua saying, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Well, his house would entail children. Um, I know there's a verse, and I'm really bad about knowing references, but, you know, where it, it, it tells... God tells Israel, teach these to your children. Yeah. Teach these words to That's your children. The, yeah, and probably Joshua is building his, you know, his, where he's saying, as for me and my household, we're going to serve the Lord. He's probably claiming that he's, uh, th- that's his way of saying we're going to obey. Mm-hmm. And I think the passage you're referencing is in Deuteronomy 6, that yeah. hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Uh, it, and that's their main truth. So you're going to love the Lord. And you're going to pass these things on to your children so they can love the Lord as well. Right. And even in even in Nehemiah, um, Nehemiah 8, you've got, as you mentioned, where the law is being read. And, um, and that's explained there in about the first eight verses or so. And then you've got, um, towards the end of that chapter, you've got where they're breaking the people up, almost like they're breaking them into small groups. And... Um, and and they're making they're giving the explanation uh, of what was read so that people could understand, and um, and so so it's possible and we don't know that whether they were dividing those up by ages or by just families or whatever. But you've got what's being preached and read and taught explained in a way so that the commoner and probably people of any age could could make sense of what was being said. Yeah. And of course, you know, you have Jesus wanting the little children to come to him. Yep. You have him saying that if anyone leaves these people astray, it'd be better for a milestone to be put around their neck and then drowned in the ocean, you know. So it's very evident that God wants children, youth, etc., to be taught. And, you know, youth ministry is we do it or as we know it these these days 
I don't think it's defined in the Bible yeah. like we do it, but I don't think that's counter scripture or against scripture. Yeah. And you have examples even in uh, the, some of the New Testament letters. So like Titus mm-hmm. is exhorting older men to teach younger men, mm-hmm. older women to teach younger women. Mm-hmm. And, and, and those age differences may or may not line up exactly with what we're talking about as student ministry. Right. But but the precedent is there, like you said. The example is there. Right. Yeah. So then, so if youth ministry didn't originate in the Bible, uh, let's talk a little bit about maybe how it did originate. So this thing that we know of as youth ministry that's kind of a, more or less a global phenomenon now. Uh, you sent me an interesting article yesterday mm-hmm. as we're kind of thinking about this to, to sort of talk about how youth ministry came about. Youth ministry as we understand it now. Um, so do you want to you want to maybe direct us to what that is and and kind of talk through it a little bit? Yeah, uh, as I as I recall, it happened around the '60s, and I guess it started or one of the originators was a guy who started Young Life. Yep. Which is interesting because I'm familiar with it um, as a partner with one of the organizations I used to work for, and so. It kind of grew out of the, like, you know, the 50s, 60s, big evan, you know, evangelistic outreaches, Billy Graham, etc. And so people, I guess evangelists were saying, hey, we need to, we need to target youth as well. And so that started. And then if I recall in the article, it was talking about like in the, in the 70s, it, it started getting gimmicky. And they started having music and food, which aren't bad things. But I guess in in some ways, sometimes that can become the focus of youth ministry. And when that's the focus, then, you know, especially today's teenagers, they can sense, oh, this is what it's all about. And I can still go off places and find music and food and, you know, debauchery and... Yeah. I don't need the church now. Yeah. And so, um, you know, if that's all it is, obviously the the youth ministry needs to be guided by the Word of God. And when it is, then that's what, you know, that's what students really need. That's what we all need. And um, so it kind of it grew out of that, and we've just carried it forward. And again, I don't think it's, if it's done right, I don't think it's counter scripture, but it's, it's more, uh, well, okay. And it, and it goes differentiating teaching, you know, also goes all the way back to Martin Luther because he wrote a catechism for children. Yep. And so, cause I was thinking about this and, and so he wrote a smaller catechism, a catechism for children. And then, Later on, you had the Puritans, who wrote the Primer and the Catechisms, and so just to give everybody a, a historical timeline to all this, Luther, you're you're dealing with early to mid 1500s. Yeah. Puritans, you're dealing with 16 to 1700s. Yeah. Uh, you know, in there, and they and that was that was just the norm is they went to school, when the first public schools opened. And they had a primer, yep. and it, it had a catechism with it. I had to read this in my American history literature class. Yeah. So you got to read the, the primer. And so as far as 
specific teachings for age groups, that at least goes all the way back to Luther. Yeah. But youth ministry, as we know it, hasn't come about until the 60s. And since then, it's kind of transformed. And I guess a lot of youth ministries try to stay with the times and you got the laser shows and the fog machines and the et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. The article that Aaron referenced, uh, is referencing and that he sent to me is, is on, you can find it on the Gospel Coalition website, so thegospelcoalition.org. And the title of the article is A Brief History of Youth Ministry, and it was published April 2nd, 2012, and written by, by Dave Wright. And so as, uh, as Aaron mentioned, um, the emergence of Young Life, in fact, this even goes all the way back saying that, that it was began, Young Life began in the, uh, the 40s, and then the other organization that's mentioned here, Youth for Christ, um, began to, uh, to hold Bible clubs and, and, and such things in the 50s. Uh, but then what really made uh, those things, and what the article references, at least in, in, the, in this author's mind, what began to make youth ministry, um, and what youth ministry, where there was an attempt to be most relevant, was mm-hmm. that as it was combating uh, what it calls here, um, it, well, I'll just read it. Uh, by the 80s, the emergence of MTV mm-hmm. and a media-driven generation meant church youth ministry became more entertainment driven than ever. Youth pastors felt the need to feature live bands, video productions, and elaborate sound and lighting in order to reach this audience. And goldfish swallowing. Goldfish swallowing. I think he references I, that in the... I was in a vacation Bible school where they did that. It wasn't here. It was elsewhere. And not the and not the Pepperidge Farm crackers either. No, it was a live goldfish. goldfish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, uh... Switching gears just just a little bit, um, is it is it necessary for churches to have youth ministry? Do you think that's a requirement of churches, or is it if not a requirement, is it is it at least wise of churches to have a focused youth ministry for their students? I think it depends on the church and the congregation. Because as I was thinking about this, I was in a brethren church in Germany one time. Okay. And a brethren church, I don't think split off. Like everyone, everyone who was in the church was in that meeting. Now it was a small church; it was a small gathering. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I don't know that a youth ministry would have worked for that. And also, I don't know all of their beliefs, but I would assume that their beliefs are everyone gathers and everyone stays there. And if that's the church and that's the culture you're a part of, then you're, I think as a youth, your parents are going to guide you and say, this is what we're doing. This is for church. Um, but I think here in America and in the churches that we have, it's kind of expected. And so it might be a little more difficult for a youth to, you know, let's say... I guess what I'm saying is if a youth was brought up in a church where they were going off and separate and then their parents took them to a different church, there'd be a lot of adjusting to go, to to go on in the kid's mind. And so I don't, again, I think it's cultural and who your audience is, who you're trying to reach. It might would be really, really hard to reach youth 
that are in, like if you were just re- trying to reach a, a family's youth and you didn't have a youth group, that would be hard to do. You'd have to reach the whole family. Yeah. Sometimes churches that have youth groups, that ends up happening. The, the youth goes to youth group and then the family comes along later. Yeah. Um, so some, the example you're using, some people will join a church mm-hmm. simply because of the youth ministry that's there. Yeah. So that their student will get plugged in. Yeah. And then the family as a whole ends up benefiting from other things the church has to offer. Yeah. Or, or maybe an unchurched family starts coming because their student is invited by, you know, one of their friends to go to youth group. I think it's a tremendously helpful ministry, but but I think churches can survive without it. Again, yep. depending on a church's beliefs and what culture they're reaching. Yeah. So a church that didn't have a youth ministry, but they have teenagers in their in their church. Mm-hmm. Would you think that's sort of unwise to to sort of? Would it feel like they're neglecting that significant? age group of people if they didn't have a specialized youth ministry? It could be. Uh, I think I think if, again, if they were brought up in a church like that, I think it would be different. Um, if that was all they ever knew. If that's all they ever knew. Um, but if all of a sudden Grace just decided to can the youth ministry, that would be like a huge blow, and I think a lot of families would like stop coming and find places with youth groups. Does that make sense? So fam- because, because they're used to having that here, and yeah. a lot of them rely on it for the yeah, either the teaching or the just the the uh, you know, whatever whatever ways their students might benefit from it. Yeah. Being able to be around peers their age. Yeah. I think it would be unwise to start a church and not have a youth ministry. Especially now Especially again, in this culture. Well, and again, I guess it would depend on the makeup of your church. Right. If you started, if you started a church and everybody is in their forties or older, yeah, you have no need for a youth ministry. No. Now we were we were visiting um, in Washington D.C. a month or, or so ago, mm-hmm. and uh, that's a fairly new church plant that we were partnering with, mm-hmm. and they've been at it I guess for about a year, and they're wanting to start a youth ministry. Uh huh. Now we were at one of their services where the. I, as I recall, they didn't really have any what we would think of as youth age people. No, other than the ones that came with us on the trip. Right. Uh, but they but they're attempting to build a youth ministry there, and so we were actually commissioned with a task of of kind of running a youth event or helping to run a youth event. Yeah. Uh, that that was washed out, so the end the event sad. ended up not happening. Yeah. But their strategy for trying to build a youth ministry in their church was to host. Events like that, so yeah. rent out rent out a local park, uh-huh. grill hamburgers and hot dogs, mm-hmm. you know, play play ball with the the folks that show up, mm-hmm. uh, build conversations that way, talk about the gospel. I think, as one one of the fellows put it, just show them that Christians aren't weird. Exactly. So and is that is that a do you think that's a that's a wise thing that they're trying to do the way they're going about it? I think so because again, that might that might draw in other family members. Like, that would be one way that they could draw in other family members. Yeah. It gives the youth an alternative to whatever it is that they might do um, if it's not good, you know, like gangs or whatever. Yep. It gives them an alternative to that. And 
again, it, it can show that we're not weird. Yeah. You know, that Christians aren't weird. We're normal people. Um, we're probably plenty weird. We're just weird in some of the same ways that all people are weird. Exactly. Maybe just about some different things. <laughs> now, um, and this, I had a thought, and it sort of relates to something we were talking about earlier. As I've traveled a, a little bit abroad in Europe um, and, then, and then a little bit in Asia, um, youth ministry, a lot of times it seems, is geared more toward what we would think of as college students. Yeah. So, so for example, in Norway, you and I have both been to Norway. Uh-huh. Uh The youth ministry in one of the villages we visited there was mainly made up of of folks in their twenties. Mm-hmm. Um, Is that an oak doll? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And again, I I guess I only bring that up maybe to say that they called it youth ministry, uh-huh. and I would say that the things that they did there were probably similar to to what our youth ministry would emphasize. Uh huh. But it was just with a, an older group of people. And I don't think it was any, any, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I don't think there was any, um, I didn't, I don't take that as a slight on their maturity level at all. No, not at all. And if it was geared for youth and then like older Christians needed a place to get with other Christians, like Oakdahl, it's... It's backwoodsy, yeah. you know. Yeah, it is. Uh, even though it was featured in a movie about trolls. Did you know about that? Apparently not. <laughs> I, you can probably tell by the surprised look on my face. I, so, I know not what you reference. Yeah, it's up in the mountains, and it's a skiing place. But I'm there's, familiar with Oakville. I mean, I visited the town, but I know not of the, troll, the Trolls movie. Right. I don't know what the name of the movie was. So but, it's, not, it's not the new popular kids film, Trolls. No. Which no. I've seen in my daughter's love. <laughs> we actually were uh, at one of my son's uh, football games yesterday, and they played one of the popular songs for trolls. And my <laughs> two-year-old, almost two-year-old, started yelling out trolls. Oh, that's funny. That's a rabbit trail. It is, but we can get back to Oakdale in the ministry, and I think like, because if you're a Christian out there in like Norway, it's a pretty as far as like solid Christianity goes, it's it's tough to find believers. Yeah. And, and, it's, and it's tough to find uh, churches of believers. Right. Yeah. That have solid a solid, churches. yeah, solid yeah. Um, Bible-believing churches. And so I would think that, yeah, youth ministry could be teenagers all the way up in their early 20s because they need Christians, they crave relationships between Christians and they need those, they need that fellowship. Yeah. And so, you know, the, yeah. So whether you call it youth ministry or not is probably not as important as are you providing opportunities for people of any age, Mm -hmm. young or old to connect with fellow believers. Yeah. And, and, and sometimes even ideally fellow peers. Yeah. Who are believers. Yeah. So that they can be ministered to together and can minister to one another. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. Because connections are so important, you know, from a relational standpoint or even from an educational standpoint. Like, if you can relate something to the youth or to a peer, they're going to be more willing to listen to it. Yeah. And so, uh, you know. Yeah, similar stage of life seems to seems to matter. Right. In that, in that sense. 
Um, what do you remember about your time as a as a student in youth ministry? You and I actually were both students here at Grace mm-hmm. at about the same time. Mm-hmm. And if we if we want our time in youth ministry to have a lasting effect on our students, do you think your time in youth ministry here had a lasting effect on you, either positively, negatively? Yes. It, yes, positive. Um, more positive than anything, I think. In what way? Well, it was under the youth ministry that I started reading the Bible like consistently or semi-consistently. And that was on a youth trip, a missions trip, a youth missions trip. And, and a kid who was in the audience, we were doing a vacation Bible school up in Brooklyn, New York. And the youth pastor, Ken Ivins, told about, the, told about JL and the tent peg and all of that gory stuff from the book of Judges. And this kid wanted a Bible so badly so he could read all these stories. He was so excited about it. And I think I was 17 years old and I said, I don't know why I'm not so excited to read my Bible. I've had it all my life. So I started reading the Bible. And, I, you know, I mean, there's been times where I haven't been as consistent. But for the most part, I've been able to stay in the Word ever since then. And, um, you know, Ken, the youth pastor at the time, he introduced me to C.S. Lewis and Francis Schaeffer. And that just, like, totally opened up my world and... Uh, even if I didn't understand all of it at, the, at that time, it's stuff I came back to later and said, I need to revisit this. And I wouldn't have known about it had I not been introduced to it in um, youth ministry. Yeah. And just being able to serve, having the opportunities to serve, it, it cultivates, like youth missions trips are so important, yeah. I think. Exposing yeah. youth to missions early yeah. is so important because... It shows them that it's important, and it shows them that there's ways they can serve, and it shows them that there's people that need to be served, even if it's just right around the corner. Yeah. And the earlier you start, the better. And so, um, yeah, that's those are my big takeaways from the youth ministry when I was a student. How about you? Yeah, I, I honestly don't remember... Um, a ton of specifics. So even as I think back to what were some of the things that my youth pastor taught from the Bible, mm-hmm. I know he taught from the Bible. Yeah. And I remember generally going through different studies in Romans, and I think even spending some time in uh, in Jeremiah. Yeah, I remember Jeremiah. And some things like that. But I, I wouldn't say that I at least grasped any what I would consider to be life-changing, earth-shattering you know, doctrinal right. ability or stability. Yeah. Uh, but what I do remember is over the course of time, um, building, like you said, a a love for the Bible. And and I and it was at that it was I think I was probably in about ninth grade or so when I began reading it pretty regularly. Um, and then also just the just the idea, as you said, just of being able to serve alongside mm-hmm. my peers. Um, so it probably was more of the, people have used the analogy that, uh, when, that you, you, you remember very few of the meals you've ever had in your life, Yeah. but it's the nourishment over time that you're like, if I had missed, yeah. I remember when I missed meals Yeah. and I remember 
you know, and, and obviously I wouldn't be as nourished as I am if I didn't eat as regularly. And I think it's the same thing spiritually. So that time in youth ministry, I was being nourished whether I realized it at that time or the mm-hmm. not. I was uh, realized it or not. I was, I was um, being fed truth, yeah, on a regular basis. And and so that gives you a taste for it, and yeah. it helps you to keep pursuing it as you even as you move on from some of those things. Exactly. Um, can a can a youth ministry actually be detrimental to a church? Oh, definitely. How, how so? What, how how do some youth ministries maybe run the risk of that? Well, if they're shallow, if they're empty, and that's going back to what was on that Gospel Coalition article, because. If I, if I remember the article, I mean, their base, their thesis was youth ministries are failing, hmm. which as a youth leader is pretty disheartening. But I think that's because a lot of the youth ministries are shallow or have the potential to be shallow. You know, they're, they, they're gimmicky hmm. and they don't go after the word. And, and that's so important is to make the Bible central because... You know, the youth can go and get whatever gimmicky things we're offering them elsewhere. The world makes it more fun. Yeah. That's just the reality of it. Yeah. But the one thing that we all need and crave the most, whether we realize it or not, is the scriptural truth, God's word, you know, Jesus himself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, I guess you could find it elsewhere, you know, but... It would have to be like, you know, Saul and Paul and the road to Damascus and all those kinds yeah. of things. You know, you might what, fi- you might find it accidentally, right? But but intentionally, you know, that's that's why it's it's so important, and so uh, it can be detrimental in that way to a youth, or if um, something happens in the youth group, you know, that just totally tears it apart. You know, youth can come away with a betrayed trust, a view that, um, you know, Christianity is hypocritical. You know, that can happen. I don't know. I mean, you you hear all these stories about youth pastors or pastors, you know, especially in recent days, all these scandals coming about and coming to light and... The church has to confront those issues, yeah. and it's going to hurt. And it, you know, if it happens in a youth ministry, you might lose half the youth, and that might be it for them in Christianity. Yeah, you know, which is, I think, a pretty somber, you know, reminder to us as youth leaders. Yeah, for sure. And uh, or if they misrepresent, if let's say you go on a missions trip and the youth just run amok. And and everyone knows this is Grace Baptist Church from Chattanooga, Tennessee. Well, these kids are crazy, you know. And it's not just misrepresent. It's not just representing the the church, but it's representing Christ. Yeah. And so you know that's why I think it's important for youth ministry to show youth how to do ministry, who we are as Christians, and guide them. Yeah. And I want to say this. Uh, uh, this doesn't quite go with the question, but. I think youth ministry, like children's ministry, like education, is a partnership with the parents. Hmm. And I think that's something as youth, as youth leaders we have to remember is we, 
are partners with the parents. We and parents should remember that too. Um, Rather than outsourcing discipleship of their children to the youth leaders, exactly that they're in partnership with us and us with them. Right, and I've always tried to view it as a partnership, not as a, you know, oh, okay, young Padawan, I'm the Jedi Master. <laughs> Here we go, you know. Um, so, anyways, I want to say that earlier, but I forgot. Yeah. But anyways, good. I'm gonna I'm gonna make a few assumptions here, and you can tell me if my if my assumptions are right. Um, so probably generally speaking, the purpose of the youth ministry and the purpose of the church should align. Yes. So we don't we wouldn't want our youth ministry to be prioritizing uh, something different, and especially not something contrary to what the mission of the church is. Right. So the youth ministry, like we we might phrase it a little differently. Yeah. You know, personally, I've kind of had this know God and make him known yeah. sort of purpose statement. But really, I think that that, however you word it, that is our way of saying this is how and why we gather, grow, and go. Right. Is so that we can know God and then and then take what take our knowledge of him and make him known elsewhere. Right. So we think that ideally the two are lining up and, and it probably should be that way. Yeah. So and then and then in doing so the youth ministry then is helping to accomplish the purpose of the church rather than detracting from it. Right. That's what we call growing, going and oh knowing. <laughs> That's a topic for another another episode, I guess. You mentioned children's ministry. Um, any thoughts on how to best help? You know, we every year we have students who come into sixth grade from fifth grade. They've been in children's ministry. Yeah. Any thoughts on ways to help them transition in? But also we have seniors who graduate and move out. Yeah. Any any thoughts on those transitions? How to how to do those best in the in the over the course of a life of a church? I think. With college students, you got to keep in touch with them because um, they're going to transit, you know, and it's different for every church. Sometimes, I mean, if you're in a college city, they might stick around. Yeah. But it's also difficult because they got all these new classes. They're trying to work. They're trying to major, yeah. you know. Nobody's schedule is the same. No. And so it's all over the place. And so you got you to gotta keep track of them. Got to let them know that you're thinking about them, you're praying for them. Go get coffee if we can, you know, during the holidays. <laughs> or, you know, they've gone off to college. Right. And I think, I think the churches, the, the local churches that they've gone out from should encourage them and check up on them to see if they've gotten plugged into a ministry somewhere. Yeah. Because that's where the danger is, is if they go off and they don't stay connected either at home or away, because it's hard to stay connected if you're away. Yeah. Um, I think the question I ask to college students most often is, have you plugged into a church where you're going? Yeah. And what kind of church is it? Or can I help you find a church? Yeah. It's so important. And then you use trusted resources in that area to identify this is probably a pretty solid congregation to look into. Yeah. Um, As far as the sixth graders coming in, I think it's important... Uh, especially as youth leaders, to make sure that they're welcomed. Mm-hmm. You know, you're looking at people who are adults, basically, sometimes are close to adulthood that are also youth. And there's a huge age gap, you know. I mean, six years, but a lot happens in those six years. Yeah. And so, you know, to make sure that that they're not 
you know, just out there, like, terrified. Yeah. And I know last week, on Wednesday, there's a sixth grader sitting to herself, you know, by herself. And so I told one of the other sixth graders, like, you need to have her come over, you know. I, I think... I think until they've like settled, you want to make sure that they're together, hmm. and you want to make sure that the parents, because the parents, that's what I've discovered in a lot of like parent talks is that sometimes they're nervous to let their young ones go into the youth group because yeah. there is such an age gap, and you know the, you know the high schoolers, especially the seniors. Yeah, way more knowledge of the world than this sixth grader. Yeah. You know, and, you know, so that's helping them transition in, I think, comes down to helping the parents hmm. help their students make the transition, but also as a youth leader, making those sixth graders feel welcome and accepted and a part of the group because even with the seventh graders, they've been a part of the group for a year. You know, it's that... First year, I think, hmm. takes a lot of settling because once they've gotten through a year, it's, oh, I'm part of the group. Yeah. You know, and that and also encouraging them to be as come to as many activities as possible, uh, you know, so yeah. important because it just makes them feel more welcome. Yeah. It does make a big difference to not be the bottom of the totem pole right. anymore. Yeah. So, yeah, that first year is pretty crucial. Exactly. There's a few more things I want to get to, and we're we're pushing it on our very arbitrary time limit that we gave <laughs> ourselves. Uh, so we'll try to do these do these quickly. Um, do you think the the qualifications for youth leaders, and and we could say youth pastors or uh-huh. just or just um, you know youth volunteers even uh, are those the same as what we would find in the Bible as qualifications for pastors, elders, deacons? Because mm-hmm. those are those are spelled out pretty specifically in the yeah. New Testament. The term youth pastor again, we're not going to find a term like that in the Bible, right? But would you say, generally speaking, we're we're looking for people to help with youth who we would also say this person is a a type of leader that right. our church would recognize? Oh, I think I think definitely that those guides, those lists, should be guides for youth leaders. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think those lists show, okay, if someone exhibits these traits, they're fit to lead in the church in some way. Yeah. And so I think it's very important because, again, you don't have that, you know, it's not, here's a list for pastors, here's a list for deacons, here's a list for youth leaders. You know, I think... I think those principles are there in Scripture to help help show who should be a leader in the church, including a youth leader. So, so it would be possible for a youth leader to disqualify himself or herself if if we found something that was in their life that was contrary to some of those attributes. Definitely. Yeah, I, I think, think so. I would think so too. Because again, if it's if they're not exhibiting those traits in their life, and they're in a position of teaching then it's possible to, you know, teach or unteach the kids, you know, in ways that they shouldn't be, you know. That's why every time I teach, like, I'm I'm convicting my... I'm I'm preaching to myself as much as I am the kids. Yeah. I'm like, I I need to live this out. Well, and one of the... 
synonyms and and roles of of pastoring is what we would call shepherding. Yeah. And really, these small group leaders are shepherding. Yeah. The students. Yeah. Maybe not in a in a fully pastoral type way. Right. But at least through, like you're saying, through their their teaching, their modeling of what's being taught. Mm-hmm. Th- those are some pretty high expectations. Yeah. Um, how how different should youth gatherings be to let's just say all church gatherings, you know, a gathering where the whole church is together. So should a Sunday morning gathering of the whole church be different than a Wednesday night gathering in the youth group? So for example, is it is it necessary or better that in the youth we have shorter messages and livelier songs to kind of maybe cater to that age group or to... Um, facilitate what we're doing to that age group are those things important necessary i think i think um it depends on uh you know i think that goes back to who you're serving and who your audience is you know there there might be a group that's like they're really hungry for the word so you know an hour and a half long message isn't gonna you know phase them i don't know a youth group that does that but right who knows they might be out there. Um, but, you know, I, I, I do think, and that goes back to differentiated teaching, is you've got to, in some ways you have to meet them where they're at, you know, because if, if, if their attention span's gone after 25 minutes, you know, then you're wasting time after yeah. that. Even if you're saying the greatest things that right. could ever be said. Yeah. So it would almost be like, regardless of age, it's important for leaders to know their audience. Yeah. Oh, definitely. So just like it would be different, you would, you would probably be wise to speak differently uh, to a well-educated group of adults than yeah. you would to a less educated yeah. you know, crowd. The, the point is to know your audience and... and lead and teach in such a way that they're going to benefit the most from what you're saying. And it's not that you compromise your message. Right. It's just that, again, it's just that you know your audience. Yeah. I would, I would say that our youth ministry is probably more formal Mm -hmm. than most other youth ministries, at least that I know about. Mm -hmm. Um, Our, our music is very mild. It's very tame. Our messages probably are a little longer. I had a student, in fact, this past Friday night, tell me that he visited another church and he said they they met all together, all together, uh, for twenty five minutes. Oh man! Music, music and uh, and Bible study combined was twenty five minutes, and he said he said he sat down and he and he blinked and it was over, and he said I'm used to your messages where <laughs> twenty five minutes in we're yeah like we're just getting going. That's right. So that would be that would be a. And again, not to say that ours is better or theirs right. is, you know, it's not, I'm not trying to really compare that way, but yeah. we seem to have a culture here, kind of like what you're saying, where it seems like we can focus better when we give somewhat extended attention to the teaching and, yeah. and the praying and the singing, even in scripture reading. Yeah. But but again, doing all those things, hopefully in a way that is sensible for for the people that are there. Right. And I think that's almost a, a good youth ministry, I guess, 
is is a time to transition from the kids' ministries, you know, the children's ministry to adult ministry. Yeah. You know, because once once you once you're out of high school, you know, you're an adult. Yeah. Well, and these students anyway, at least the ones that attend Grace, are sitting in on the Sunday morning service anyway. Right. And so they're seeing the whole church gather and do those same things right. on a larger scale. And yeah. so then when we come together on a Wednesday night and they, they see and experience and participate with us doing those same things, it's really not a shock for them. Right. It, 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 it probably, if anything, is just an expectation yeah. that they would have. They might, they might be surprised to see us cut back on, on those things. Yeah. And they may they may care, they may not, but they would probably at least notice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one other specific thing, and, and then we'll try to wrap this up. Uh, one thing that, that youth ministries tend to do are these things called activities. Yeah. And that's a broad term for... That is a broad term. So, so for example, uh, a few weeks ago, we, we took an afternoon and a bunch of us went rafting. Yeah. Um, we've gone to amusement parks before. We mm-hmm. take days and do that. We've gone to camps or conferences, or we do our own retreats a lot of times. You mentioned mission trips. Yeah. Um, some of these things are different than might be done, like, in a in a whole church-type way. You know, I don't, I don't recall us ever having a whole church rafting trip. No. Or a whole church trip to, uh, you know, Lake Winnipesoka. Something like, you know, things like that that we've done before. Yeah. Um, how do we make sure that those activities let me ask you this way how do those activities help to accomplish the purpose of the church how how can we make sure that they do i think i think it promotes the social health you know because humans we're multi-layered you know there's all there's all kinds of stuff that goes into a human yeah and so the social aspect is something that I think those would help with to bring cohesiveness to the group. Yeah. You know, it's always fun to look back and say, oh, remember that time Aaron fell out of the raft and almost drowned? <laughs> that was great. You know, I don't know. The, it, it, I, I think it builds a sense of community. Yeah. It's something that helps, helps the youth group come together as a community helps those members of the church come together, you know, because, you know, because you can, you can bring glory to God doing those things. Mm-hmm. You know, Paul said, if I eat or drink or whatever I do, I want to bring glory to God. Yep. And I think being together as church members doing fun stuff can bring glory to God. You know, we're building each other up, hopefully. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of activities could lead detrimental spiritual health but anyways uh you know it's i i think it, that's important for the social side of things yeah uh you know you might get to know someone in the youth group a little bit better that you didn't get to know before and that wouldn't have happened unless you're stuck on a raft with them for yeah. two hours yeah yeah so and i don't want to say that the church as a whole neglects these things entirely. I mean, we're talking even this morning about a a Labor Day picnic that our whole church is invited to here in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Or or next Sunday, I guess, actually. So Those are uh, fun times. You get to know people in a different setting, or you get to know people that 
you don't usually get to know because we all have our assigned quote unquote seating <laughs> in church. So yeah, yeah, good. Uh, anything else on this topic, or do you think we've kind of covered the gamut here? Um, there's one thing I don't know that it fit with that it fit with any of the questions, but one thing I've always wanted to kind of strive for as a youth leader to show the youth is, and I think it's important that youth leaders pay attention to this and do this, is find what misconceptions we had about the Bible or Christianity or the Christian life um, and address those. You know, I think I think as a youth leader, that at least that's been one of my things is, I know, you know, I was missing this or that in youth group and, you know, I want to address this because I don't want, you know, other students coming from the youth group that have been shepherded by me, so to speak, Mm -hmm. or under our watch collectively to have a misconception and it not be addressed. You know, because I can look back on my Christian life as a teenager and say, oh, I missed the mark here and here and here. Yeah. You know, and uh, I just want to make sure that that those things are addressed. I'm not saying I have it all figured out, but, you know, there's certainly a whole lot I've learned about Jesus and about the Christian life coming out of youth group and being out of youth group that I would hope to address and I know would be common misconceptions. And that whole thing that we talked about at the beginning, the two sides of the gospel yeah. message is definitely one of them. And I think that missions trip helped our youth see, all right, this is part of Christianity, you know? Yeah. So. Well, good. Well, Aaron, I enjoy uh, getting to serve with you here uh, at Grace, and I'm glad for this new uh, podcasting venture that we're uh, attempting. Yeah, this is fun. If anybody's listening and you have uh, ideas for topics that you want Aaron and I to to hash out, uh, feel free to alert one of us to those. Or questions. We're happy to answer questions, uh, or at least attempt to. Um, but that'll wrap it up for today. Aaron, thanks for your time. Thank you. Have a good day. You too.